Hi guys, it is Sunday night at 11 p.m. I just finished watching the Michael Jordan documentary and want to recap with you guys. You know, I can't believe we're on week seven. The girls' room has now shifted, you know, from the bathroom to the living room to the guest room to the bedroom. So here we are, Sunday night in the bedroom. Candles are lit. Crystals are here. I currently just took my under eye patches off and finished putting on my drunk elephant serums. For those who are wondering, it's the Elephant Hydra B serum mixed with the Passione Retinol Cream. And then I like to top it off with a little Joanna Vargas serum, depending on what I'm feeling, and always just an easy aquaphor for the lips, and I'm ready to go. I just want to thank, give a major thanks to Sauce Pizzeria, Perry Rabar, who Helped my boyfriend's company, Round Square um, Builders, you know, give the hospital staff at Ronald McDonald's meals for the next couple of weeks, which is great. And I think just what Sauce Pizzeria is doing is really awesome throughout this time. Again, another amazing place that I've loved to give proceeds to has been Olivia Hazen, who's made personalized, personalized bracelets that go immediately to COVID relief funds. and. You know, this one was just something, a moment that was really special this week that I was like, it's giving back in a different way. Um, You know, one of my dearest first L.A. friends ever, Daniel Forrest, came out with a book of poems he wrote. It's called We Are All Stardust, and it's his compilation of poems and illustrations. If you watch my stories, I've been sharing poems throughout the week and it's funny because in this time you aren't sure who you're going to connect with or you know find yourself astray and honestly I haven't talked to him in about four years and this book was like almost like a spark that we needed to be back in each other's worlds and it was nice to connect and you know I haven't talked to him in four years so we actually haven't fully caught up but it was you know, this book brought us together, and I hope what I'm basically trying to say is I hope can bring something like that for you, and it's okay, you know, to have some distance and space, but to, you know, recognize and honor those friendships that were once there is also something I think, you know, this has shown me, and I'm really grateful for you, Daniel Forrest, and for this lovely book of poems, and I'm going to share one at the very end. I'm going to get right into it. You know, I've been feeling good. Justin's great. We are all good. I want to get right to it because why not? I just feel like it's important to. Let's take a deep breath and center ourselves. So the last dance, Michael Michael Jordan documentary. So Cindy Crawford actually posted about the Michael Jordan documentary being from Illinois and showing her skills and also that her jersey was gifted to her by Dennis Rodman. And what I felt like I needed to mention was that I haven't been getting amazing opinions of me sharing, you know, this side of sports or music. And what I need to say is this is something I've always been into. And you can ask Boomer, you can ask my sister, you can ask anyone I'm deeply closest, close with. When I'm into something, I go deep. I'll look into every interview article, you name it. When it came to basically anything I've done, anyone I've interviewed, I go deep as to, you know, probably find things that they wouldn't even want about them. And, you know, I'm also sharing 
I'm sharing this because I really, you know, watching these Bulls game has put me on edge, on the edge of my seat, and I'm on edge, and, you know, sharing a side of music and sports that was insanely riveting at that time that we don't see today has been amazing to see, and I really hope you're loving these episodes and seeing it for what it is, and maybe, you know, you're not entirely into it, but I do hope you're giving you a deeper lens into that world of sports and music and, you know, these gathering events that have joined us. And, you know, maybe we can't be at those now, but that doesn't mean we can't commemorate those amazing times that once existed and that, you know, maybe we haven't gone to pay tribute to because we've been so excited and focused on what's going on now. But I do, I honestly wanted to say that, Thank you, Cindy Crawford, for posting that because I feel like, you know, maybe it's just being a woman. I'm not sure. But the feedback, I it's not that I've gotten bad feedback. It's just it's not I think it's not what people expect of me. And I will get back to why it's something that relates back to who I am and the vibe of a human I am. And, you know, in this next episode, we get Kobe, who is so fucking missed. And I'd be lying if I said this footage didn't make me or anyone who is watching, you know, super emotional, but that's all good. You know, rest in peace, Kobe. It was just Gigi's birthday. So happy birthday, Gigi. Again, so much love for him, his family, Vanessa. My thoughts and prayers always glad to them, but let's get into it. Part one. Upon mentioning Kobe, I used to tell you about his speech at his funeral. MJ spoke. So MJ spoke about how Kobe was basically a little brother, constantly calling him middle of the night to discuss the triangle. The best was the best was when he called him to tell him Gigi wanted to play and, you know, what Michael's best advice was. And again, he asked her how old she was and he was like, she's 12. And he was like, when I was 12, I was playing baseball, basically joking that he was trying out different things. And... Also kind of like laughing that it wasn't working out for him. And, you know, he started crying and he laughed as he knew that Kobe would be looking down and crying at the meme of laughing, crying at the meme of MJ crying because he never wanted anyone to see him that way. And now we are all seeing him that way. And, you know, I think what I wanted to share here is Michael Jordan was a man of few words. He didn't go deep into love or anything. You know, he was just a big trash talker. But Michael Jordan, the way he shared his love for Kobe was infinite. Deeply a true little annoying brother, big brother love that never stopped. He was obsessed with the game, like so passionate. And he was just as passionate about it as Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan loved him deeply. And, you know, if you watch the speech, which you totally should absolutely go for, you can see how much he really admired Kobe. And, again, he's a man of few words, and he's not one to go deep into his feelings. So to see that side of him, like, you know, it's a beautiful moment and I can't say we all understand but as someone who does I couldn't help but be inspired and you know it's really hard to get up there and tell your feelings when you're not that type of human and for Michael Jordan again being someone who does not share his feelings often I think it was something absolutely worth going into so the way it starts out is amazing they're talking about 19 year old Kobe being a little LA guy that's going to beat them 
little do they know that would be his best friend everyone said he was the best like he was the best just like Michael Jordan and he was so inspired by Michael Jordan you know when you watch Kobe talk it's not only emotional and inspirational but he's so well-spoken he verbatim says that's his big brother brother and he also believes that he wouldn't be the player he is without the influence of Michael Jordan again this loyalty and respect theme I continue to share is something we see within this the culture of sports within the culture of music within the culture of community and love and I I I, I hope we continue to see that in the world um you know, I just have to say one thing that throughout this entire uh, documentary, we have great music like by the artist, The Tribe Called Quest, Lauren Hill, and it's very on theme of what's going on right now. And again, to just bring all things together, you know, music, sports, fashion, and this is where media kind of begins, the whole concept of Jordans, Air Jordans begin, and obviously we know this to be an empire, but if you watch... Converse had every big player on their side and he wanted Adidas and Adidas didn't end up becoming his brand after he got the Nike pitch and that couldn't have been a smarter idea and this is where like the air and I like say it in caps air series began in in the first year they sold 126 million in a year collabing with you know brands such as McDonald's um, they were the first sneaker to become a fashion, like a fashion icon and a culture icon. You know, we get a glimpse of how he could mess with people, you know, talking shit, being the best defender and ultimately, ultimately knowing how to win and end a game with a true like banger and, you know, really hyping people up, including myself. You know, he starts playing for USA Olympics and we hear about Isaiah Thomas, who he disliked very much. He literally would not be on the same team as him. He, although he thought he was an amazing player after Magic Johnson, he just didn't like who he was. He had beef with him. He, you know, Isaiah also had beef with every player. If you watch, he's a huge instigator you know, but overall, his camaraderie with his boys were the best, and he loved his USA Dream Team, which was him, Magic, Johnson, and Larry Bird, and they're the best best players in history before Kobe came in, and the reason I wanted to just mention Isaiah was because it wasn't just Michael Jordan he that Michael Jordan felt he had beef with. It was every single player, and he wasn't someone I personally enjoyed watching. Um, you know, sorry, really quickly. Magic describes it, you know, being in the trifecta in the USA Olympics as the best times in terms of plays and shooting and brilliance, but the trash talk, the trash talking was nuts. I mean, this was a time of pressure and intimidation at its finest. Magic basically threatened Jordan and was like, you better become Air Jordan tonight. And that he was. And he remained, always. Like, once he was criticized and Michael Jordan was criticized by anyone, he only needed to hear it once. And it was changed, disciplined, like, snap of the fingers, done. He did not need to hear anything twice. After that game, people fully acknowledged that Michael Jordan was the alpha of all alphas. 
uh, Tony, and you can, Justin, I know you're watching, not watching, you're playing Xbox, but uh, Tony Q Coach, whatever, I hope he hears me. Tony Kukoc joins the team right as Scottie Pippen leaves, and the drama behind this story is that they believe that the general manager, Jerry Krause, was on Kukoc's side, and it was between Scottie and Michael um, and Kukoc, which is very intimidating, and it wasn't anything about Tony Kukoc. It was more about making Jerry look bad, which is just a whole nother interesting side. So then there's the Reebok story, which is Reebok was the brand behind the Olympics at the time. And, you know, Michael did not want to wear Reebok. He was at the time with Nike. And that was, again, the time where he was building a brand outside of just playing basketball. Again, really, really smart. He was, I think, in my opinion, one of the first brand like branders and now he doesn't need to ever work a day in his life neither does his family because he created something that's forever um but basically he did not want to be wearing a Reebok sign when he was clearly and he was a Nike guy so he put he was really smart about it and basically just put an America little uh flag pin on the logo and you know after the Olympics, he was a really big global superstar. He had great energy and became, you know, more of a societal figure. Figure, And as Obama says, he wishes he, you know, pushed a little bit harder in the community aspect. But he also understands that Michael Jordan had to deal with a lot as well and a lot of opinions and what he should or shouldn't do. And, you know... He did the best that he could, but I sometimes do agree that staying neutral is the best decision sometimes. And, you know, I'm going to quote Michael Jordan. He said, if you like me, you like me. If you don't, don't follow me. And honestly, that's something I always say, and I'm here for that, and I agree with that 100%. And, you know, it's 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 really interesting because this is how this part of it leaves off is – you know, we see celebrities at at sports games, and it's, you know, I'm not going to say, like, be, be, like, I'm not saying any grade list of celebrity, but it's, like, Kendall Jenner, whatever rapper, it's, it's, it is what it is, but at these games, it would always be, like, literally hard to get into for people who are on Seinfeld, you know, I'm talking Barbara Streisand, true OGs, and, Michael Jordan says it's great to be admired and respected, but when he was alone, he would just think about how his end goal was to just be the best. That's it. Always to just be the best. So I'm getting to part two now. We get a little glimpse, and I believe of what will be shown of Michael Jordan's gambling addiction, which, not gambling addiction, but gambling problem, which is shown. You know, he loves to chill. He loves to be alone, which I understand. I mean, when you're always, when you always have to be on it, it's, it's you like. I mean, I can only imagine just being a yoga teacher. The times that I'm that I'm on it, when I'm not on it, I like really enjoy my alone time. I can only imagine how he feels. So. I get that. He was a big chiller. You know, at this point in time, he isn't so happy in his life. And, 
you know, it's sad. He can't leave without a million cameras. And he's, you know, there are some celebrities who personally like that. And then there's people like him who do not. He just loved the game. He did like some aspects of being famous, but there, with the good comes the bad. And there was a lot of pressure with a combination of competitive competitiveness and there was a level of success at an early age and he wasn't really ready for all of that. I mean, his first NBA, he was the first NBA team to win three consecutive championships and that's a lot of pressure on its own to continue that. Um, you know, he was widely celebrated and with that comes people finding out dirt and this is kind of where sadly the negativity comes in. And I don't love to get into that, but at the same time, I feel like I have to share that because he shares that part of him. So people start to find the not so, you know, clean side of Michael Jordan. And that's, you know, that he was addicted to fame and he was addicted to money. And I honestly don't blame him. I think there is a side of being liked and respected and you know making what you deserve that has to feel good and it does feel good when I when that happens to me I'm always very grateful and thankful and you know whether we handle it different is one thing but anyway that that was a big thing he was addicted to money but people started like letting go of the perfect McDonald's image and started to get like he started to get this negative press after being so loved and that was very hard for him and people started to talk shit about how he was and how he was playing the game and certain mechanisms and things that he was doing that people weren't agreeing with and again this is the time where people started to let go of the good boy image and started to be he was starting to, that was the shit-talking era, that was the tabloid era, and, you know, this is where I'm going to kind of end this, and I hope you watch and you can recap and DM me and tell me what you think of it so far, and, you know, I just wanted to say that as much as I go Bravo heavy, when you watch this, you see the drama that's going on, and it is so similar to what is gone. I mean, I do think that there is a much greater light of influential creativity but I do think there's also a big part of the fact that it's reality it's filmed and it's dramatic it's super dramatic so let's get right into Bravo really quickly I mentioned this before Vanderpump hasn't been giving me anything but you know what the past week it did give me something I told you I'd give you an update when it was worthy, and it's finally worthy. Bo proposed to Saucy in epic fashion. We did obviously see this on Instagram before, but it was at a graveyard, and if you know her, she loves Halloween and all things gruesome, and they were going mausoleum shopping, and the whole thing was just cute. I mean, think about it. They were He did it with proposing, starting their life, and they're at a graveyard, so it's ending their life, and you know, just the whole planning that went into it, it was just adorable, and his nerves was so cute. I mean, I was crying and Boomer was literally making fun of me. I am so happy for you, Stassi and Bo. I think you guys are adorable. And I think Bo crushed the whole, um, I was about to say interview, the whole engagement entirely. Really quickly, Housewives of Beverly Hills again. We're in the beginning. I loved Kyle's um, welcome back dinner at her house. You know, I have to say, I love the girls coming back. I thought it was super interesting. I'm not here for Sutton. I said this before, and I'll say it again. I thought when she was having the dinner, and she was like, 
let's all say each other's first impression. Like, if it started out nice, they should have continued it nice. But then Sutton got mean, and I wasn't here for that. I didn't like how she came for Teddy. And I'm not saying this is an excuse, but Teddy's pregnant. I just don't think she deserves that right now. Um, But that was part of the dinner party, and we'll get back to that. You know, we see Erica going to her vocal coach while she's, you know, practicing for a performance um, for Chicago. And I really loved this moment, and I think she has a good voice, but it made me really think about my friend Lee, who was in every show from from the moment we were in middle school together till we were seniors. And, you know, he went on so on and so forth, and he put in so much work and so much time I mean his entire life was devoted to it every single every single moment and a part of me can't help but think about all the work he put in and seeing kind of how you know she's walking in with her Chanel jacket and her Gucci loafers and you know she's singing a tune but I think I could sing that tune just as well and I'm not saying I'm good but I'm not saying I'm bad and I just I kind of want to give Lee credit because He is someone I always look up to. I mean, I literally FaceTime him to ask him to give me, you know, a performance of, you know, whether it's Little Mermaid, whatever I can get in the moment, whatever he'll give me. But he's really good. And I couldn't help but thinking about him during this moment. And, you know, there was a moment that I have to say I was not here for Teddy not understanding where Lisa Reno is coming from having her kids come back home after they were unhappy or, you know, going through a mental moment. I just think it's not anybody's place to talk about when somebody's going through a rough time and how they're handling it, whether your parents parents are in the limelight or not. I get it that hand, that Teddy's parents handled it in one way, but I think Lisa is entitled to handle it in another way. And I just, I just don't like, I just am not loving how she's coming from that angle, but I don't not like Teddy. Again, I put a note here, I'm done with Sutton, I just don't like her, but I do mention her again. You know, she starts stirring the pot about Teddy's retreat, um, which I do not like, and then again, we come back to Kyle's dinner party, and I love this quote, could you imagine coming to this sober, which is what Rena uh, says to Erico, and I just thought that was amazing. Have to mention Sutton and her dress is just absurd, over the top. I don't like her. I'm not here. This is the beginning where we see Denise, Denise's vibes are off. Amanda Singer, I hope you're listening. You know, the only thing that's interesting to me about Sutton is how high society she actually is. And she actually does have manners, and it's an interesting sense of manners that I don't personally get because it's deep south manners, but she does have them. Um, and, you know, the I mentioned this before, they go around saying their first impression, you know, it's camp style, very kumbaya, and I mentioned this before that if this all started out like they were saying first impressions in a kind way, they were obviously saying, you know, I thought you were pretty, I thought you were kind it'd be, it was one thing. If they did it saying jokingly, listen, when I first met you, I thought you had a big mouth. It started off kind, aka in my opinion, it should end kindly. So Sutton doesn't really get that, and which is weird to me after she's displaying that we should all have manners. And she comes at Teddy, and I'm not into that. And I get that Teddy's sensitive, but I do not believe she deserved anyone. I do think everyone needs to chill on Teddy. She's pregnant. And I just don't want to repeat myself. So this is when we get to Denise and Aaron. 
And we hear about Aaron, what Aaron does, which is basically disease processing, and they're all confused, and so am I, honestly. They think people are following, they, Denise and Aaron think people are following them, and this is weird, like, almost, like, every, like, they say everyone, like, is following them and hearing them, and you see everyone looking around the table being like, what is going on, and let's, like, he's saying he's talking about atoms and isolation, and uh, when I say I isolate, not isolation, like we're sitting in isolation, um, and we're, you know, I'm confused, and I was a big chemistry nerd, so this is just super weird, and, like, magnetic spectrums, and Rinna is lost because she actually does feel knowledgeable on this subject, and I'm gonna be honest, right now, in this moment, Aaron seems nuts, and it's really confusing, and he's saying that we all have cancer in us, and, you know, it, 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 him and Denise display this this moment, quick moment of just really uncomfortability, and um, they end up leaving the party out of nowhere and being like, someone's following us. Like, the paranoia is kind of crazy, and he, like, says that he shouldn't have mentioned things, and again, it's just, like, super bizarre, so... I just, I, I just couldn't understand it, and I was talking to Amanda about today that maybe this is, she was like, well, we can't talk about this because it was about Brandy and her, but who knows, honestly, so what I'm gonna end with, because I don't want to go into the nitty-gritty, I just feel like it's pointless at this, at this place in time, um, but here's my vibe, if, I already said this, like, if they started out kind, they should end kind. I hate when Lisa brings up Kyle defending her sister. At the end of the day, that's her sister. I would defend my sister, Yoshi, Ashley, no matter what. That's, like, a non-negotiable, you know, unless she murdered someone. But, like, I don't, like, you just don't bring up family. And the last thing Amanda and I discussed hard was that Denise and Aaron... Um, you know, how they were talking about people following the paranoia, the way they were speaking about atoms and whatnot is just insane. And we believe that this is the beginning of the drama between Brandy and Denise, but we don't know, but we're here for it. So let's fucking go. So Summer House. And, you know, I kind of feel like Summer House is my baby, my favorite show of all time. So I want to give this one a moment and just not really get into Housewives. So you know, we left off last episode with sex noises from Hannah and Luke. The girls are livid because they think she deserves better. The confrontation between the girls and Hannah, her saying, uh, you know, they don't get him and it gets hard. Paige on understanding Hannah and Luke's perspective on how it, how to take this. And, you know, it's sad in one sense, but selfish because they're both in relationships. And when I say that, I'm meaning Paige and Amanda, that they, you know, there's a selfishness and a moment of also, they just want to protect their friend. Amanda's, you know, Amanda makes a comment again, would you let a man speak to me like that? And it's a moment again, where like, Luke, yes, he's being immature, but at the end of the day, he's not doing anything, he's not talking to her horrifically, Hannah gets upset and walks away crying, super upset, Paige ends up leaving with Perry, you know, Jules and Carl have lunch in the city, which is just interesting, maybe there's vibes, I feel the crushing, but who knows, 
Hen and Paige have a talk back in the city and that their transparency is there. There's apologies made. Their love is real. Again, I'm going to mention Giggly Squad, their Instagram live show. It's great. Uh, You can just see their love. They're obviously there. They're friends. They're best friends. That's what happens. Paige mentions that Hannah is curious about why Luke and Amanda aren't getting along, which is the burning question for me, too. Like, what is up with Hannah and not Hannah? Amanda and Luke. It used to be Hannah and Luke, but now it's up with Amanda and Luke. Why do they not? Why do they not like each other? Lots of Luke confusion. Again, a moment that I needed to mention is Carl, not, again, not being accountable or reliable for Kyle and Loverboy in this man, in this episode. We see it loud and clear. He ends up getting too drunk or not showing up. And I mentioned this before, and he's proved it again. And, you know, next part of the episode is that they have a roast. And again, if you don't know what a roast is, is they basically make fun of each other. We've all seen this within celebrities. And... Amanda's meanness gets brought up to Paige and Hannah, and Hannah's just not okay with that. She comes in, and Hannah and Amanda confront each other. Amanda explains her side, and Hannah explains Amanda's that Amanda's anger was absurd, and, you know, it ends up being okay, and Amanda just feels the built that she has built up this moment, and Hannah, again, just explains they have something you know, that her and Luke have something going on, and they end up becoming cool, the girls, and it's all good, like, enough of this, you know, there becomes a moment where Lindsay flips on Jewel for siding with Paige and the girls, and again, this takes me back to where I, what I said last week, is that I think Lindsay needs to stay in her lane, and her age lane, and not, uh, enable these fights with the younger girls, and kind of maybe, like, be the big sister, and, you know, end them, so they can have a great summer, but that's just my vibe on it, you know, Mazel, Amanda and Kyle finally pick a venue and date, which is September 2020. I wonder if that'll happen with, with everything going on, but they seem very solid. And, you know, they've overcome another obstacle, which is this. So congrats again. And again, back to the roast. They have a roast and everyone's roast is really good. But then Carl just dumps the truth that he made out with Danielle while Lindsay was in the Tulum. Like, that's just a fact. That's not a roast. And it was just a moment that, again, Carl was just really drunk. And Lindsay makes a comment that Danielle does this with every guy Lindsay hooks up with. Uh, You know, she goes after them, which is, in my opinion, not cool, considering I think Lindsay's done the same. And... Paige roasted her and she was fully if she was correct and then she gets all Albany on her and I just love it so the season finale I don't know if that's next week I don't know if it's the week after but it looks like Lindsay and Everett may hook up Carl wants to have maybe it seems like a threesome with Jules and Danielle again they're really good at editing so what do I know and Kyle and Amanda get a reading, and it seems to be an, a bad outcome. And when I say in reading, I mean an astrological reading. It could be a palm reading. Who knows? So I'll leave you with that. But that's my summer house, baby. Next thing. I left you a short but sweet Kardashian recap. I hope you love it. It's about the Christmas Kardashian party. Um, I also just wanted to quickly mention Kim Kardashian's Justice Project on Oxygen. It's all about the you know, social justice reforms and, you know, hearing about how, you know, fame has really helped people get out of jail and 
the press that it has created. You know, I just watched Centoya Brown's story and Brianna was a big part of that. And, you know, I just think it's the first episode. I want to go into it. It's, you know, it begins with Alice Brown, who was arrested for selling drugs. She was just a phone mule and she didn't even touch a drug. She was just the, truly the messenger. And she was serving the same time as a Unabomber. And th- this is just an example of some of the things that are going on in the world. And I just wanted to mention this because, again, there. I, before I get into it, I have to mention that there's a lot of explicit things, topics of abuse, sexual abuse, and I would love for you to watch and catch up with me. And again, I love Kim Kardashian for just breaking the mold. Real Housewives of New York City, I say this in literally the way that they come out every week. So I believe this is Thursday now. You know, we're at Fashion Week, and this is funny because it opens at the Arlo Hotel, which is where I host all my CBD events in that exact room uh, where the library is, the cool color library, and I love that. Um, Tinsley's starting to feel a sense of independence. I'm not obsessed with her runway outfit or look, but that's fine. Ramona compares the way her house was left and the torches like the Game of Thrones and calls Tinsley out for being a messy guest. And hey, honestly, I'm OCD, so I don't blame her for her reaction. Like she had she had pasta all over the bed and I, I mean, it was just messy. I, I'm sure she had makeup. It's just like it's not a hotel and it's someone's home. And if you are going to mess something up, at least you know, not even just send it back, but, like, send a personal note of maybe why, like, if some, like, again, it's not just, like, a simple mess, it's something bigger, um, Sonia doesn't feel present at the Pamela Rowland show, although she wants to be supportive, she's beginning to feel worried about her own show, which is very Sonia fashion, I mean, she is kind of, like, a messy-brained human, and she didn't prep enough, the girls have lunch, and Mia, Leah meets them, and basically, she missed the show because she had a terrible day. Ramon acts rude and says that she has bad manners, and Leah basically breaks down that her mom won't speak to her. You know, she told her about the other night of her being really drunk, and I think after years of sobriety in this route, her mom was super disappointed. Moms are moms, and I'm not one yet, and I can only imagine the opinions that one must have but it's, it's, it's gotta be super tough, and, you know, she knows her daughter's a mom now, so I'm sure she just wants her to be on the best route, you know. Tinsley is also super open with her mom to a fault, and I don't find that to be amazing at time. Listen, when it comes to moms, mine loves me so much and knows me, like the good, the bad, the funny, the stoner, the lover of humans, animals, well-beings, the weirdness, she just gets it, and I felt like this is a good moment to share mother-daughter relationships and the toughness that comes even at an older age such as Leah, and I'm not saying Leah's old, but I hope you feel my vibe. We get to see Leah's moments of showing her bossy side and that she can do what the boys do, which is her vibe entirely, like badass motherfucker, her baby daddy. I'm still confused about this or her relationship, whatever it might be, um, she says it's amazing, they, they live separate, they hang out, I'm still very confused by this, um, he doesn't agree with her drinking along with her mom, and it's weighing heavy now, again, you know, 
the approval she seeks from her mom is one I get. I mean, I definitely overachieve and I want to make my mom super proud. I think being a girl, having OCD, also losing my dad, I just want to make sure she knows I always hustled and tried really hard. And maybe it's, I feel like I have something to prove and maybe Leah feels that way too. And I think it's a natural feeling. And I feel her on that entirely. I think many people would. I like that moment. You know, Dorinda's really not feeling John's decisions. He's been going out a lot. It's definitely sneaky. And also maybe Dorinda needs a guy more on her level. Like, she's chill. She's less sceny. You know, then we get to Sonia's show. She's just not happy with the flowers. Just everything. She naturally just is a bug out. She's just bugging. Leah throws on, like, popping things for her. Like, Leah, basically, Leah throws on an outfit that's just amazing. She puts on an outfit that has a little Kim, and she says it's her icon. Sonia didn't send her a dress or a coat like the rest of the people and sent her pajamas and starts a whole to-do controversy. Leah honestly didn't need to bring there, but, you know, that's, that's that's what she did and that was her choice Leah's claws come out in this episode as well when she says that she's been going to that this isn't a real fashion show and that she's been attending them since she was 16 and you know babysat for the editor of 17 magazines and magazine and she gets her bad self on. Sonia puts the pajamas on and owns it, and Lee isn't mad anymore. She actually laughs, and the next episode seems like, you know, maybe Luann and Jock have a drink. She says that she never fucked the pirate, which is hysterical that we're going to back to St. Bart's, and, you know, I'm not here to say this is riveting television. This is just what we're all watching and captivating, and doesn't make me smarter but it's my guilty pleasure and that's fine and you know my ending vibes are that you know we're still here this is life guys and let's be kind I constantly I constantly am seeing hate even on a podcast I found some people left bad ratings or reviews and I know from who and you know people continue to follow or look at my stories when they've said mean things and I just don't want that in my sphere I've said that before and I'm done with those vibes and lingering feelings around me. And like I said last week, this is showing so much about others. And I think you need to remember that and just, you know, own your own truth. And the less you bring into the world, the less that we will suffer. And, you know, I want to leave you with the final poem. And it's called Transform. And it's by Daniel Forrest. Again, this is We Are All Stardust by Daniel Forrest. The poem is called Transform. Today may feel like a burden or even a chore until we embody the shift and less becomes more. I'm going to leave you with that. Good night, everyone. You'll hear this tomorrow. Namaste. Take a nice morning stretch. Mad love.